pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Coldfront Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. And joining me as always. My name is Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at Real J-U-V-E-I-N-O. You know, it's been a minute since we talked to everybody. And, you know, we didn't say it on last week's pod, but we're going to be recording every other week. Um, it just works better for our schedules. We both have busy lives. We're both college students. So we have a lot to keep up with. It works better just to do it every other week and in, the Bills aren't really giving us like it, like really important things to talk about on a daily basis. There, there's literally been nothing to talk about of note that's just like, oh shit, we gotta record a podcast on this. And well, with that being said, free agency is just in a couple of weeks, and we don't know exactly who's gonna hit the market, but we can kind of project who is and who isn't. And you know, there's numerous outlets like Over the Cap and Spot Track. Check them out. They have valuation charts and they kind of give you projections of what they think each player is worth and what they might get for a contract, comparable contracts, etc. So on this week's show, we're really going to cover the bases of free agent targets on the offensive side of the ball for the Bills. And, you know, they have a couple of needs on the offensive side of the ball. We discussed that on the last pod. Jeff was very adamant of wide receiver being the biggest need on the offensive side of the ball for the bills and i tend to agree that wide receiver is they, they have to target that position this offseason without a doubt whether it's draft or free agency it has to be targeted but there's other a few other low-key positions that the bills might also target and there's also a few players that are flying under the radar because it's not as if some, sometimes it's not as easy as saying oh they're going to sign aj green oh they're going to sign emmanuel sanders or robbie anderson i mean sometimes there's low-key guys that are going to be on the market that are going to be available that could be big additions for the football team hindsight and with that, Jeff, do you have a specific player at the wide receiver position that you are looking for the Bills to make a move on this offseason? I don't have a specific player, and the reason is because I think that there's more guys out there. There's obviously more guys out there than I would think of off the top of my head. There's more guys out there than we could even do research on, no matter how extensively we look into this. And, you know, the people who work for the Bills, whose job it is to do this and who get paid money to find the best players – to give your football team the best chance to succeed are going to have a lot more into this than, than I can. So I, I, I trust, I've said this before. I trust what the front office, what their plan is in doing this. I mean, obviously there's some big names that we can name right off the bat, like AJ Green, AJ Green, Amari Cooper, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson. You know, we can talk about those guys all day, whether one of those guys is going to happen for the bills. We don't know, but it, you know, it, it's, it's fun to throw out names obviously and kind of give some hypotheticals, in this in this search that really they're, they're putting countless hours and I hope they are that they're putting countless hours into finding the best receiver who knows who these guys I mean they they this this is just an example of finding guys from wherever they found Duke Williams from the CFL you know not that you're going to bring in a CFL player to fix the Bills uh situation at wide receiver but it's just an example of there's guys all over the place um but we're going to break some of them down here and hopefully we can find the best value because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's about right. value more so than anything else. It is all about value. And with value, I think there's really three guys in my mind that there's a lot of value to be maximized if they were added to this football team. And for starts, I want to start off with Brashad Perryman. Brashad Perryman's a former first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. 
And he's kind of bounced around. He went from Baltimore to Cleveland to Tampa Bay. But in Tampa Bay last year, he was a deep, he was a deep ball threat for Jameis Winston and that Bruce Arena's offense. And, you know, he has some potency that comes with him. And I have a feeling that if the Bills were to pair Rashad Perryman, which is kind of a value contract, he's projected to be signed a contract worth $4.5 million to $7.5 million per year, which I think is a very fair deal and a very fair estimate for Brashad Perryman. I'd like it on the lower end, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in that four and a half to five and a half range. Just ideally, if that's me, but I have a feeling if the bills were to pair Brashad Perryman with John Brown and then have Cole Beasley in the slot, that'd be a very effective wide receiving core. Yeah. I I mean, Perryman obviously isn't a big time number one receiver, but it's really hard to find that on the free agent market. It's really hard to get one of those if you're not drafting them. Um, so I think that he is a good compliment to John Brown. I think that he <clears throat> could be a very similar player to John Brown. And that now, instead of just having one go-to guy who's going to put up those consistent numbers like Brown has, you've got two guys who can do that, you know, and spread the ball out a little bit. So whereas if you're not going to have that big number one threat, you're going to have a lot of quality second-tier guys that, that can kind of offset that a little bit, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And maybe more so of a bigger body receiver because we've heard all throughout, I mean, social media, people talking about it. The Bills need a big body receiver. The Bills need a big body receiver. Well, one is going to be available this free agency period, and that being Tajay Sharp. And Tajay Sharp's a value addition by, by all means, uh, similar to Brashad Perryman, only to a lesser extent. I think he, he's going to receive a contract somewhere in the area of $3 million to $5 million per year. And I think that he would be a valuable addition to the Bills. I think he brings a skill set that's much different from Perryman, but still a valuable one at that. He has size, he has speed, and, you know, he really just got kind of lost in that Tennessee Titans offense with, mm-hmm. a, with very weapons, with A.J. Brown, De, uh, Delaney Walker, Corey Davis is still there, John U. Smith, Derrick Henry. They added Adam Humphreys last season. All sorts of weapons. It was very easy to get lost in that mix. So Tajay Sharp is set to hit the market. And I think a lot of people aren't really giving, aren't really thinking of Tajay Sharp when they think, oh, the Bills could add a big body receiver, whereas Tajay Sharp could re- very well could be the receiver that the Bills have been longing for. Yeah, and you're right. We, you do have to put a lot of weight on, you know, the system that these guys were in before. I mean, a guy like Sharp who is in a run-oriented offense versus a guy like Perriman who, you know, was behind a couple of other guys in Tampa Bay like Godwin, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. But then those guys are out, and he had the three-touchdown game against uh, whoever it was. He had three touchdowns. He had 115 receiving yards. And then one game in December, Perryman did. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, the first thing you do is you get on football reference and you look at these guys' stats and what they've done. And it's not a lot, but if you're putting them in a system with other good players around them that, you know, sets them up to succeed, unlike maybe the situation that Sharp was in in Tennessee, then, you know, it's it's certainly encouraging. Um, we're, with guys like that, that's more of a safe move. You know, you're not spending too much money like you are with the top guys. And I wouldn't mind that to see the bills do that. I mean, obviously most fans are going to say, Oh, we want the big money. We, you know, like when they had Antonio Brown for four hours, you know, we want that. <laughs> but I think um, it was closer to 10. I think it was what's that? I slept through that whole thing. I slept through all of it. I went to bed early that night and I woke up early the next morning and it just ended by the time I woke up. But like, yeah, so, so, you, I mean, so you didn't, uh, Get the rush. That was yeah. That was uh. Well, they could still they could still get him if they want him. In all fairness. Uh huh. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, I think he. he, I think he's better on uh, Mass Singer or whatever that show was that he was on. No, he's fighting Logan Paul. That's his new. Oh yeah. yeah. He's fighting Logan Paul. But we're talking about some of these depth guys. You know, not your top couple guys on the market, and 
the thing that the thing is good for them if you're coming to Buffalo is you don't have the high expectations. Like if you sign like an AJ Green, Bills fans want him to be the the best receiver in the league right off the bat because he's got that name. You sign some of these lower tier guys and they produce even if it's not huge numbers, you know, it's still hmm, that's a good quality pickup that we didn't spend a lot of money on. So, you know, if you're Brandon Bean, it's do we go for broke and count on this big money player to be the best one of the best receivers in the league or do we make a more safe signing and let this guy produce in moderation? Right. And when you say, you know, you don't really have that much expectations coming into Buffalo. I'm really brought back to when the Bills signed Williams. You brought it up earlier in an earlier point of when they brought in Duke Williams. When Duke Williams was signed to this roster, there was no John Brown. There wasn't any Cole Beasley. It was really just Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, just a bunch of, you know, middle tier guys. Two of one of them, isn't even on the roster anymore. You know, if Tajay Sharp or Rashad Perryman or the guy I'm about to bring up were to come into Buffalo and were to produce on a value contract and maximize the value of that contract, and you're right, it is a safer move. And maybe some people feel that it is more like there's a higher likelihood of Brandon Bean taking the safer route rather than going the risky route and going for one of these veterans, going for, for somebody that's a bigger name or a bigger fish, if you will. And you know, the last person I want to bring up is Demarcus Robinson of the now Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Demarcus Robinson is a guy that possesses speed as well as hey, moderate size. I think he'd be a perfect, not a perfect pairing, but certainly a potent pairing with John Brown, similar to Brashad Perryman. But I feel like Demarcus Robinson has a tad bit more potential than Brashad Perryman. I think Demarcus Robinson, he's going to make probably around $4 million to $7 million per year. And I think if you bring him into the, all these guys, the last two, three guys I mentioned, all are making similar contracts. We're going to get into the bigger fish here in a minute. But I feel like Demarcus Robinson would be my favorite value addition if the Bills were to make a signing of that variety of one of these three kind of players that in some cases could walk into a building making moderate money and have uh, extremely good production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that if given the choice, I'm taking Perriman out of those three. I think he's he's a little bit bigger than Robinson. I mean, even if it's only like an inch. Um, but those are all similar. <laughs> those are all similar value guys. Um, that really, like I said, you can't really go wrong with any of them because you're not spending that much money. The Bills have eighty-eight million dollars to spend potentially, and if you're and if you're throwing five on your your biggest uh, position need, in my opinion, other than maybe defensive end, that you know that doesn't sound that doesn't sound ideal as we're saying it. But maybe I don't think it would be a bad thing for this offseason. And this is where we're going to get in a little bit of bigger fish. And the one I want to start off with, which has a lot of varying opinions, if you will, is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. There's been rumors of the Bills being tied to Amari Cooper and possibly getting into a bidding war with the Eagles for Amari Cooper. I, think, I don't think that's going to happen. But, Jeff, I, you had interesting thoughts prior to recording. You and I talked about this. What would you think if the Bills were to pursue Amari Cooper, who's projected to make around somewhere around $17 million to $22 million per year? Yeah, you know, I did, just, I did just spend the last five, ten minutes talking about how I wouldn't mind the Bills signing a $5 million per year receiver. But Amari Cooper, I mean, you got $88 million and you're going to spend twenty on this guy? Screw it. It's not my money. Screw it. Get him out there. He's good. He's a good football player. He's, he's a guy who's starting in every fantasy league every week. He's a playmaker. He's a, he is a playmaker, and that's what you need is a playmaker. And right. the guy to offset John Brown, I mean, think about the Bills' offense with Amari Cooper and John Brown and then Cole Beasley in the slot and whoever else comes along and it could make an impact. You know, that's a damn good offense. With the quarterback you have, 
And the running back and Devin Singletary, who I think is going to be a star, that is a damn good offense. And Cooper makes your team a lot better. And, you know, you don't know when you're going to have this cap room again. And, I mean, I know that you're going to have to resign players down the road, but it it, it doesn't it's, – it's, I know it's a high-risk, high high-reward situation. And, you know, I'm not 100% sold, but I'd like to – I, I want to hear your counter-argument if you're – because I think that you're going to say, no, they shouldn't get this guy. I mean, I don't, I don't really – I'm kind of indifferent. I mean, I've, I've kind of learned to just sit back and just process and, and just see what they're doing and just take it in as I go. And rather than just predicting and, say, and pounding the table saying, they need to sign this guy, they need to sign this guy, they need to give this guy this much money. Oh, they overpaid here. Oh, they made a bad move here. Well, really just a disclaimer for everybody, my opinion is the Bills are a star wide receiver away from having a very potent offense, a very good offense, and possibly or, or potentially an MVP quarterback. I don't, I, regardless whether it's Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders, Brashard Perryman, Demarcus Robinson, I don't care. If any of those guys are capable of putting up 1,000 yards or five or more touchdowns next season, I think the Bills are going to have a far better offense in 2020 compared to 2019. Or at least that's my expectation if that were to be the move, especially if they were bringing Amari Cooper for that amount of money. Um, I feel like if you were going to place that amount of money, 17 to $22 million, if there were a certain spot, because you're not going to be able to sign a player of that value at every position, of need and really the two biggest positions of need on this team right now are wide receiver and defensive end and I mean next week we're going to talk about defensive signings or defensive needs and who's available who where they're available and who I think they should sign who I don't think they should sign I would I do I'm not in favor of signing Amari Cooper for that amount of money simply because I'd rather invest that money into a defensive end position because that's just about what you're going to pay for upper echelon defensive end play I mean, you have Jadavian Clowney who's available this offseason. You have Yannick Ngakwe who's available this offseason. Yannick Ngakwe has yet to turn 25. I, I mean, and Amari Cooper is young in his own right. There's, so, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of analytics out there. There's all sorts of statistics of his outdoor catch percentages, his outdoor statistics, what have you. But regardless, I am not comfortable giving a wide receiver 17 to $22 million per year unless you're Odell Beckham or DeAndre Hopkins, in all honesty. I am not comfortable giving that kind of money to that kind of receiver, especially somebody who's typically used to, who's played in a dome the last season and a half. Someone who has certainly reaped the benefits of having one of the two or three best running backs in football, Ezekiel Elliott behind him. I, I think if you're going to invest 17 to $22 million per season, I think it's going to happen this offseason. I think the bills are going to give a free agent, not of not a wide receiver, but they're going to give a free agent that amount of money. And if they're going to assess that amount of money or, or, place that amount of investment in a position, I certainly don't think it's going to be wide receiver. If so, you don't, so you think that they're just going to spend that much amount of money on one player? I think if they were going to spend that amount of money on one player, it would be a defensive end. Okay. Why not two? Why not two? It just doesn't really make sense to, because these would be five, six year deals. These would be long-term contracts that you would be connected to similar to the Mario Williams contract. You would be connected to these contracts for a very long time and you would be financially committed without any kind of out. And it's going every single contract going forward is really going to be gauged around the Josh Allen deal. Whether he's go, they, they have yet to, we we have yet to find out if he's a franchise quarterback. We have yet to find out if he's worth the kind of salary that is probably going to be commanded when his contract runs out after 2021. If they get if they're going to give him a fifth year option, if they're going to give him a franchise tag, or if the franchise tag is even going to be around. Every single contract going back to last offseason is gauged to that Josh Allen contract. And I simply am not comfortable giving a wide receiver 
17 to $22 million per year when you could get similar, similar if not comparable production from a Brashard Perryman or a Demarcus Robinson or a Tajay Sharp. Yes, they're not at that caliber or that level of play of Amari Cooper right now, but I certainly would not rule out the possibility of any of those receivers having similar, if not comparable, production in Buffalo if they were to be placed where Amari Cooper could possibly be placed. Okay, but is comparable good enough? Is comparable good enough to win playoff games? And, and, and this is, I think this is, this is the position where you, which is the biggest need on your football team, in my opinion. Wide receiver is the biggest need on your team. So this is, this is the position the Bills have been cheaping out since they traded Sammy Watkins. Let, let's call it what it is. I mean, honestly, Sammy Watkins is going to be available this offseason as well, but that alien-believing kind of – I mean, I, I think he's a good guy. I think he's cool. I, I loved it when he was in Buffalo. But he's going to take 2020 off. And, I mean, matter of fact is, if Sammy Watkins walked in the door to one Bills drive tomorrow and signed a contract, he'd be the best receiver to play for the Buffalo Bills since he left the Bills. He would be the best receiver on that team since he left it. It has been a very, it's been a very underwhelming position. When you, have, when you keep in mind the players that have been there, Zay Jones, Jordan Matthews, Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes, all sort, even Terrell Pryor for a time period. Amari Cooper is far better than any receiver the Bills have had probably before Sammy Watkins, before Stevie Johnson, maybe even Terrell Owens back to, in 2009. That, that's probably, a, we're, we're having that conversation. But, that doesn't mean that if the Bills were to bring in A.J. Green or Emmanuel Sanders, that doesn't mean that those players – the same thing cannot be said of those players when you're spending 9 to $10 million less on either of them. So you think that signing a lesser receiver will be good enough? I'm not saying it won't be. I'm not saying it won't be, but I think that if we're talking about spending – if we're talking about going big and spending that money on one player, I think it has to be a wide receiver because I think that that's what makes your football team – better and there's not a lot of cases in the NFL where I would say that you know I'm not overvaluing skill positions as opposed to your to your you know your lineman Mm -hmm. or you know a left tackle or defensive lineman but I think that in this situation that's what makes Buffalo a better team the most is getting a good wide receiver I mean they didn't score enough points all season it was score 19 and hope you win they did not score enough points at all the season so why not go big right you know, I, 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 maybe I'm contradicting, contradicting myself from the beginning of the show a little bit when I said that it would be okay to, you know, take, sign one of these guys for less money. But you can think about it from this angle, too. If you, if, you, if you need to make your offense better, and that's the way you do it. And I disagree with, you know, spending – If I disagree with if you're going to spend money on one player, it wouldn't be a wide receiver. I'm saying it would have to be a wide receiver if you're going to do that. Oh, no, it's a very – it's a fun discussion. It absolutely is because there's the – I mean, you and I differ in that opinion of what's the biggest thing on this football team. If you ask me, it'd be an edge defender. I mean, I, I, I can't even honestly say there's much separation between the two because, for me, it's always been 1A and 1B, and 1A was edge, def- or edge rusher and 1B was wide receiver. And, you know, there's going to be players of that caliber that's going to receive amounts of money that are very comparable to one another that play on opposite sides of the field that the bills could potentially be interested in and could potentially target. But I've kind of spoke of and or alluded to other players that I'd be interested or the bills could possibly target or be interested in. And one interesting one that has a bit of baggage that wouldn't necessarily be a process guy is Robbie Anderson, uh, formerly of the New York jets. I think he, he is definitely going to hit the market. He has not been happy with the success or lack thereof in New York. And you know, I, he's projected to make 10 to $14 million per season. 
Jeff, would you feel comfortable giving Robbie Anderson that amount of money? 14? 10 to 14. I, I mean, if you're giving him 14, you might as well sign Cooper for 20, huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's 14's a lot for, you know, a not top-of-the-line guy. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Robbie Anderson. He He's a good player. Um, he, he, he put up some production on a team this year that was not good in the Jets, not a good offense. Um, how many games did Sam Darnold miss with Mono? Four what's or five? That? He, he, how many games did he miss with Mono? Four or five? Darnold, I think the first four. <laughs> I think No, I think he, he started against the Bills, and then he next, missed either the next four or the next five. I know they had a bye week in there somewhere. <clears throat> yeah, they had a bye week week four, so I think he missed four games. Jesus. And then he came back week six, which would have been against Dallas, I believe. I've never had mono before. That has to be a hell of a I sickness. haven't either. I have a cold Except- right now, and that's bad enough. <laughs> mono. Holy shit. I hope um, Robbie Anderson doesn't bring it with him to Buffalo if he were to come here. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah, but if you're it's 10 to 14, you might as well just – I know that – I guess that doubles – 20 is double 10, but if you're spending $14 million on Anderson, you might as well sign Cooper for 20. I can agree with that point. And Robbie Anderson's contract is largely going to be based on projection. You know, he's had decent production in the first couple of seasons of his career in New York. Um, But he can certainly blossom into a very good receiver in this league. I think he has all the tools. I think if he put it all together with a moderately good quarterback with – an offense that he wasn't really the focal point because let's be honest, he really was the best player on that offense in New York, aside from Le'Veon Bell. And that was only for one season that they were paired together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the likelihood of Anderson coming to Buffalo as very high simply because of the whole uh, process guy thing. Everyone knows what I mean when I say a process guy, you know, this is a guy that's had issues with the law. He's had run run-ins with the cops. I think he was pulled over for and, and cited for marijuana. Believe what you will with that issue. But another receiver that you don't really have to worry about is character. He's a veteran in this league, and the Bills certainly could have inquired about him and may have inquired about him when he was circulating throughout the trade rumors around the trade around the trade deadline. That's veteran Emmanuel Sanders. And I think what Emmanuel Sanders has is what no other ride receiver that we've mentioned thus far or will mention, I might add. He has the versatility of playing either outside or inside. And he has versatility of playing in the slot on the outside, playing on the boundary. So you really – but the Bills do have their slot guy. He's a little bit bigger than Cole Beasley, but he's crafty. He's a crafty veteran. And this is where I'm going to bring up this point, is throughout the offseason, we're going to have a lot of conversations about a lot of different players, whether it be draft prospects, free agents, what have you. We're going to have a lot of conversations about a lot of different players. Personally, I favor these veterans a little bit more than the wide receivers coming out of the wide receiver class because – a lot of people are going to hear this. They're going to say, oh, the wide receiver class is stacked. Why don't you just draft two or three of them? Oh, well, the wide, why don't you draft a receiver in the first or second round? Okay, listen, I, we, we've seen this. We've seen this song sang so many times of let's draft Robert Woods. Let's draft Sammy Watkins. Let's, let's draft TJ Graham. Let's, let's draft Marquise Goodwin. Let's draft all these players that really didn't pan out for Buffalo. Zay Jones, all these players. <clears throat> the Bills need help. At the wide receiver position, and as, that, as I mentioned in an earlier point, the Bills are really a wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball away from being a very potent, good, and competent offense, all things that they weren't last season. And I think that void would be better filled with a veteran like Emmanuel Sanders rather than a rookie that you draft regardless of what round you selected. Yeah, well, I don't think that – yeah. The thing is that 
I don't, I don't disagree with bringing in a veteran as opposed to a rookie because the, the draft class this year, the wide receiver draft class is stacked. We know that. Right. Here's the two things I don't like about Sanders. Number one, he's 32 years old. And if you're going to sign him to a multi-year deal, you know, you're, he's getting up there. That's, that's old. You know, it, it, in three years, he'll be 35. Right. That's really old for a football player. Also, he's five foot 11. You want a guy who can jump up and catch that post corner in the end zone. You know, I mean, at 5'11 and 180 pounds, I mean, is he just another John Brown? Is that what you want? Is that what the Bills want is another? Huh. John Brown. That's a little shade, huh? Well, I'm not. I mean, he's a better player than John Brown. Not a similar not stature. Like similar I'm stature. Yeah, you gave me a funny look when I said that. He, I think he's a better player. Then John Brown, not that John Brown's a bad player, John, like, but I guess what I mean by saying is he another, just another John Brown. John Brown's not a number one receiver. He's a good receiver, but he's not a number one receiver in the NFL. So, do you you want two of him? You know, is that what you're going for here? I don't think it is. Right. I think I I love John Brown on the Bills. I think he's he's a great player, and I'm happy that the Bills have him. But I don't think you need two of him. You know, that's an excellent point that we have yet to bring up is every single one of these guys that we have mentioned are not, not really proven number one wide receivers in the NFL. Emmanuel Sanders is kind of a number one wide receiver. He was kind of the number one wide receiver, not really. And I agree with Jeff on his point of, well, you really just have two number twos at that point. What's the point in that addition, paying him 8 to $11 million as, he, as he's projected, if you're just going to have two wide receiver twos? Because two, then once you play, play teams like the Ravens, who have two really good corners, when you play the Patriots twice a year, when – Stephon Gilmore is going to take away half of your solid receiving core. When that, when those instances occur, what good is having two wide receivers twos? And really, the only wide receiver one capable wide receiver on this list that that is AJ Green. And you know, I talked about it at the start of this conversation. If there was a person that we are coming into free agency favoring, favoring somebody that we hope the Bills without a doubt add, AJ Green is mine. And he's projected to make somewhere around eight to eleven million dollars per year. And if the Bills were to get him on a two or three year contract, that'd be ideal in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I would love that addition. He can catch that post corner. He can catch a jump ball in the end zone. He can get separation. I understand he's had injury concerns over the last two years, but this is the move where <clears throat> not as much so as Amari Cooper, where you're going for it, where you're signing this twenty five year old guy who's had iffy production year in and year out, who's I mean, he could be a number one. He might not be a number one. He could bust, or he could do really good. You know A.J. Green, AJ Green is a bona fide wide receiver in the National Football League. You know he has torn up some of the best corners in the league throughout his career. And, yes, he's on the tail end of his career, but guess what? These marquee players who are at the tail end of their career, who are chasing championships, are looking to make a little bit more money and get a ring by the time they are done with their football life. And I think the Bills would be an excellent fit for A.J. Green, and I'd be enamored if they were to add him this offseason. And if he would take a two- or three-year deal, that's, that's what you want. I mean, he, he'll be turning 32 before the start of the season, so obviously you're not going to want a long-term deal. But if you can get him at a reasonable price on a two-year deal, take it. You know, I, I think if I'm going to say that there's one guy who would be worth it not to spend the extra money on Cooper, it would be A.J. Green. You know, I think that he's the type of player you're looking for. Injuries scare the hell out of me because he's had them all throughout his career. But I think that if you're going to mold 
any kind of wide receiver you want to fit this Bills team, it's A.J. Green. And that's what I meant with Sanders, you know, being 5'10 and kind of a John Brown-looking type receiver. You know, that's not who I want. I want a guy like A.J. Green who's big with a ton of length and jump up and grab that ball and can be a true number one receiver. Right. And, you know, the injury concern is very valid. I mean, you, I'd be lying if I said if the Bills were to invest $11 million, if not more, in A.J. Green this offseason, I would not have the least bit concern of his injury history. But with that state-of-the-art facility they have there, the, the, the amazing training staff. I mean, Jeff, you remember how, how the, like, the injury list, there was, like, two or three names midway through the season, almost all yeah, season. That list did not – right. It was almost crazy how healthy that team was. Now, whether that's indicative of a team that's due, if you will, I don't know. But it's telling me that the Bills training staff is doing something right. And I think the Bills training staff, you know, Lorenzo Alexander doesn't play another two seasons in Buffalo if they don't have a solid training staff in place, if they don't really know what they're doing to help their players to the best of their ability. And I think it'd just be an excellent fit for A.J. Green and another veteran that even has some Carolina Panther connection in his past, Greg Olson. Jeff, you and I were talking about this. Greg Olson had already visited the Bills earlier last week. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was a day and a half visit. Um, this is certainly something we have to talk about because Greg mm-hmm. Olson's a veteran, and the Bills very mm-hmm. well could have a hole at tight end too, as we talked about last week. As I mean, they, they, they'd be very inclined to cut Tyler Croft after the poor investment they made in him last offseason. So Greg Olson, we could be looking a swap for, or a player-for-player player swap right here with a cut and a signing. Well, you know, Greg Olson's a big name, so I think a lot of people are going to want him. But do you think that Olson coming in and Croft leaving will be an even swap money-wise? Because uh, Greg Olson, he's projected by over the cap and spot track to make around 5 to $7 million for whatever contract he signs. It's 5 to $7 million. So I think, I mean, to my recollection, I think that's very comparable to money to Tyler Croft. I mean, either way, I think, without a doubt, both of them are going to miss, miss at least one game next season because I mean, Tyler Croft, he's injury prone. That, that is what it is. Greg Olson. He's just old. He's old. So you kind of don't really have as much expectations for him. I don't think he's going to walk in there at OTAs and hurt himself the first day of practice essentially, but I have a far more promise or optimism with Greg Olson being paired out there with Dawson Knox rather than Tyler Croft. Mm-hmm. And Olsen's 34. It's just my my hesitation when it comes to him is if – I don't know if that's Buffalo's best place to put their money. If you can get him for a good value and swap him for Croft, like you said, then I, I am for that, especially bringing in a veteran to work with the young guys, Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney in the position. However, if it's going to cost you some money, I think that there's better places to put your money that will help your football team more than signing Greg Olson. Honest to goodness, I don't think tight end is really a necessity if they were to cut Tyler Croft. It's not, and I think that, and I think that Dawson Knox it makes makes that. That's why it's the situation because I think Dawson Knox can be a good enough player to where he's your number one tight end. Right, and I mean, regardless of whether Tyler Croft or Greg Olson's on this roster, Dawson Knox is your starting tight end. Yeah, that there is no change with that whether either of those players are on this roster or not. And honest to goodness. I feel like if the Bills were to cut Tyler Croft and not bring in another tight end, I'd be comfortable because at that point, I mean, you have, you have a restricted free agent, Jason Kroom, who I expect them to bring back. So at that point, you have Dawson Knox, Lee Smith, Tommy Sweeney, and Jason Kroom. You're four deep at that position. Are any of those 
other three tight ends aside from Dawson Knox, are any of those three tight ends behind him of the quality or of the, have the experience of Greg Olson? Not really. But we do know how how much Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott like having leaders in locker rooms. And, you know, if it's anything that Greg Olson was in Carolina, it's definitely a leader. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I don't expect the Bills to bring him in or if I even be upset that they'd bring him in. But you do bring up a very valid point that there's a lot better ways that you can use your money of 5 to $7 million rather than a backup tight end who's 34 years old. And I think if you sign a big-time receiver, it lessens your need for a backup tight end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're not <clears> – <throat> I mean, if your tight end's mainly going to be a blocking position, you know, with, a, with maybe you need one receiving tight end, Max can do that all himself. Do, do you think it possibly hurts the development of Tommy Sweeney as well? If they were um, to bring in Greg Olson, that is? I mean, the, I mean no, because Olson can also be a mentor. As, I mean, he, even though he'd be taking away the reps, you know, he can still, you know, teach him the, the trade, you know. So I think that that would even out. Right. Now, the next position I really want to talk about, and this one's interesting because last season, I think we all just kind of got sick of seeing Josh Allen turn around and if it's not Devin Singletary, it's Frank Gore for two or three yards at most. I think we all kind of got sick of that by the time week 17 came around. And I think it's safe to say that Frank Gore won't be returning. So the Bills are going to be in market for a complimentary back to Devin Singletary. And I think they'd be very smart. There's some very good options available. And, you know, we've had this discussion before that running backs are a dime a dozen. They're not all created equal, though. I mean, I would not mind. These are running backs that I would not mind the Bills bringing in. I'm not going to bring up Melvin Gordon, who's projected to make eight to $11.5 million. I'm not going to bring up Derrick Henry, who on NFL Network a couple days ago, he said he's looking at Ezekiel Elliott money. So he is looking at a, probably a 90 to a $95 million contract. I'm not, I do not want the Bills to make that kind of investment at the running back position, nor do I want them to draft a running back in the first round. Those are all moves that I would expect of a football team that feels like they're one player away, a team that feels like they're one playmaker or one skill set away from setting themselves apart and making themselves a contender with the addition of that dynamic running back. But with that being said, Jeff, were there any running backs on your mind that the Bills could add that you feel would be a difference maker immediately? Uh, no, there's not. I mean, you know how I feel about running backs. They're, they are a diamond dozen. And also, I think Devin Singletary is a difference maker. And I understand that it's good to have a good compliment back, but I don't think that bringing a guy in and paying him a lot of money is the answer. And I'm glad that you're not entertaining a Derrick Henry like option because I just think that that would be so stupid to from sure the Bills to bring him in and pay him that kind of money. You don't need a franchise running back. You don't need to bring one in. I think Devin Singletary is a good RB one. And then bringing in maybe a I, I, I was about to say bringing in a veteran guy, and then I remembered that they signed Frank Gore last year. Um, I don't know. Adrian what, Peterson question mark? What's that? Adrian Peterson? Yeah. Oh, like, I'd love that. I'd get that. How old is he now? Geez, a million? I think he's like 30. No, he's not 30. I think he's 34. 34? Maybe? I'm not sure. Which is 80 in running back years. Oh, yeah. Running back years are like dog years, right? You just have- yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, but none of these options that I'm going to bring up, uh, I think the highest one that they're they, – these are all just projections. All the prices that I'm going to mention to you are just projections. They could be extremely low or they could be extremely high to what you will see these players receive in reality. The highest that any of these players, any of the four running backs I'm about to mention, are projected to receive is $7 million. And the lowest that any of these running backs are projected to receive is $3 million. So there's definitely some value there 
for a great complimentary piece. And I want to start off with Kenyon Drake, the former Miami Dolphin. I think after, after Drake was dealt to the Cardinals last year, we saw a completely different player. He did not want to be in Miami last year. And, I mean, as nice as the weather is down there compared to Buffalo right now, I wouldn't want to be really by – I wouldn't really want to be in Miami either, to be honest with you. I mean, Kenyon Drake, he, he's really – he's a master of uh, – he's a jack-of-all-trades, but a master of none, if you will. I think he would add a different – he would be a very interesting complimentary piece to Devin Singletary. Not – he doesn't have the same skill set, but he can do just about everything. He can catch out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. He can run off the edge. He doesn't really have any limitations as a running back as that of veteran Frank Gore that we saw last season. I think if the Bills are going to make an addition at running back, they're not – I don't think it's a, they're certainly going to improve, but they certainly must look to improve. They have to look to improve that to complement Devin Singletary far better than they did last season. Okay. So when we're talking about the running back position, I'm going to weigh, you know, paying these running backs this money. I'm going to weigh that compared to where else can that money go that makes your football team better. And I did that with tight end too, because I hold, that on offense, the most money should go to wide receiver and the most money by a lot should go to a wide receiver because that's the position that makes your football team better. So if we're looking at anywhere more than maybe $5 million a year for these running backs, no way in my book, you know, no way. I don't think that that player makes your team that much better with Devin Singletary already on the roster. Kenyon Drake is projected to get paid five to seven million dollars. Floor is lava for Jeff Jeff Ubino on that instance with Kenyon. Uh, yeah, Drake. that's yeah, that's too much. Honest, honest to goodness, would you rather pay Greg Olson five to seven million or Kenyon Drake five to seven million? Or are you indifferent? Um, I would probably well, all right, I'd probably take Olson and get rid of Croft then in that situation. Okay, all right, that'd that'd probably be my solution. Understandable. And probably my favorite back that's possibly going to be available. It's not even, he's not even certainly going to be available. He's a restricted free agent, but the team he's a part of for some reason has like seven running backs that could possibly make the pro bowl at any instance. That being the 49ers and Matt Breida, (laughs) Matt Breida. I mean, watching the super bowl, I forgot he was even on the team. They, they, you look at all the running backs that team has, they have Jarek McKinnon. They have a Tevin Coleman and then Raheem Mostert. You yeah. almost forget about Matt Breida, who is certainly a valuable player, who certainly has a skill set that should be playing on a weekly basis in the NFL. I'd be surprised if they even put the tender on him to the point where they have to because, – because if the team does not want him, they have to pay him a certain salary uh, d- determined by the tender that they place on him. So I would not be shocked if they released him from his tender and he became an unrestricted free agent. And he's projected to make 3 to $5.5 million per season. And honest to goodness – Matt Breida is my ideal compliment to Devin Singletary because the, here's the interesting, about, interesting thing about complimenting Devin, Devin Singletary is Devin Singletary, he isn't too explosive. He isn't too quick. He's not overly powerful, but he's scrappy, and he gets the job done. He's really good at just about everything. Except, he's not an exceptional receiver out of the backfield by any means, but he can do just about everything. He can run between the tackles. He can run off the edge. He can make a man miss in a phone booth. So it's really just picking, picking your favorite part of pick, picking whatever you like to compliment Devin Singletary. You can compliment him with a power guy. You can compliment him with an explosive guy. And Matt Breida fits that explosive mold. And I feel like that mold would, would compliment Devin Singletary far better than a power mold. Yeah. I think that bringing in Breida at 3 million is not a bad investment. You know, I mean, or even if it's for it, he, he's a young guy, he's 24. 
you know, so you can bring him in for a couple of years and, and who knows what's going to happen. You know, that's, that's a low risk move. Um, I'm, you know, I'm certain, you know, I, uh, but again, I just, when we're talking about all of these guys, I wouldn't go too high. I wouldn't really go over 5 million because I just don't think that the position is worth that much, but I'd rather have Brita than a guy who's older and who maybe has maybe one good year left in them because obviously there's exceptions like Peterson and Gore, but we've seen time and time again, when running backs hit 30, they hit a wall. And who's to say that's not going to happen to these, to these, um, you know, guys who are in their late twenties, like Drake and, and um, like Kenny and Drake and whoever else. Carlos because, Hyde. Yeah. Carlos Hyde, because they're going to hit a wall. You know, they're it, every running back. Isn't like Fred Jackson, for example, who just played forever. He just played until he was 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th- those guys, those guys don't come around um, a lot. So I'm just I just don't want to overvalue any of these players. You know, I brought up Carlos Hyde almost and jo- jokingly, but he had a 1,000-yard season almost seemingly out of nowhere for the Texans last season. I don't think anybody saw Carlos Hyde get placed on the Texans who have a, a dog shit offensive line and say, "Wow, he's going to run for 1,000 yards" when he just did. I think he yeah. had what six rushing touchdowns last season as well, and he's projected to make somewhere between three and a half to $6 million per season with the next contract he signs. You know, he earned himself a lot more money last season by running for a thousand yards compared to if he had just done more of the same because he had had an injury history prior to last season and he hadn't really gotten on the field. And when he did, he wasn't all that productive. He bounced around from Cleveland to Jacksonville, then to, to Houston where he inevitably found success. But if it's one player on the list that we compiled that, I wouldn't really touch with a 10 foot pole. It'd be Carlos Hyde. I would not be comfortable because all of the things that Jeff is mentioning throughout this discussion of who should we, and who shouldn't we sign at running back? What kind of value is worth it? Carlos Hyde is not worth any value that I am willing to place on significance of signing a running back. If you're going to sign a running back this off season, I'd much rather sign either Jordan Howard or Matt Breida than Carlos Hyde. Okay, I, I'm not saying Carlos Hyde wouldn't be a good addition. He'd certainly be valuable. He'd certainly hold some sort of merit, and he'd certainly improve the Bills' offense. But I just feel like you'd be, it'd be the, the offense would be far more improved if you were to add one of the other names that we had mentioned rather than Hyde. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, again, I like Breida's age better than I like Hyde's age. I mean, Hyde's, what, 29? Oh, or, Jesus, he's up there. He was a yeah, first round. I think he was a first he, he is, round pick in like 2012. Yeah, he will be. He'll turn 30 in September. So, week week three, he'll turn 30. Um, so I like Breida's age better. I like more durability. Um, you know, you want to get obviously durability is something that's important in the running back position. But you know, it, I'm I sound like a broken record. I I want the money to go where it's going to help the Bills' offense the most. And seven million is not seven million going to the running back position is not helping the Bills offense the most. Somebody that I think is going to get a low ball contract this offseason that pot might not even be signed in the first wave, first or second wave of free agency because we all know there's there's a couple waves. There's the first wave, there's all these big deals, the midnight deals, then there's the second wave right before the draft, and then there's the third wave right after the draft. And there's sometimes even a fourth wave that uh, and I think a player that the Bills might be able to find some value in would be Jordan Howard. He's one of the younger backs that we're going to mention in this conversation. Jeff, what would be your thoughts if the Bills were to bring Jordan Howard in on a four to $6 million contract? 
You know, I, I think I think it's just similar to the other guys. You know, I mean, that's why I call <laughs> running back. I mean, there's not much difference between these guys. They're just running backs who aren't stars. I mean, Jordan Howard is 25 years old, and he won't be 26 until um, until November, and he's got some experience under his belt. You know, he's kind of already made a name for himself in the league with Philadelphia. So, you know, I think that I like Brita at $3 million a lot more than I like Howard at, what did you say, six? Four to six. Four to six, so five. I guess that doesn't really matter that much. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I honestly – I haven't really put any time into the running back position for the Bills because I just don't think that it's that important. Right. I feel like it's a position. If you, I think you might be better off drafting somebody in the third, fourth, fifth round and maximizing value that way rather than investing your money. Because don't get me wrong. I would love if the Bills were to add Matt Breida. Matt Breida would be a home run hit if they were, especially if they were to get him in here under four million dollars, which I don't think the I don't think the likelihood of that is very high. But if you were to manage to do it, my goodness, someone someone give Brandon Bean, Brandon. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Send him a bucket of wings, something like that. <laughs> Send him a bucket of wings along with Matt Breida as he gets off the gets I off could the use plate. A bucket of wings right now. Oh my goodness! Don't get me started. I haven't had wings in like two days i haven't had buffalo wings like go to buffalo and have real two days are you <laughs> i got wings on saturday i love wings i eat them all the time dude wings are amazing i'm gonna be in buffalo here in a couple weeks and i'm gonna i'm gonna I, I don't know i i don't have enough time to go to enough wing joints to get to get maximization of yeah that was a good trip to buffalo for food there's a lot of good ones. There are a lot of good ones. There, there are definitely a lot of good ones. Duff's always a must stop. I think they're overrated, but it's always a must stop just for the experience. Um, and speaking of wings, the, we're, we're going to get into the trenches. These big guys like their wings. They oh, really like, like their wings. Oh, yeah. Jeff and I are both linemen. We both know the offensive linemen love wings. And, you know, I feel like the offensive line situation for the Bills – this offseason, it's really going to be a matter of whether or not they want Cody Ford to play right tackle. That's really what's going to be the deciding factor. It's not like it's not like last offseason where you're going to have 50 different combinations of free agent offensive linemen along with 30 others with all the draft prospects thrown in there. It's not like the Bills have glaring holes at four of the five positions like they did last offseason. There's really just one thing that the whole offensive line is really contingent or well, maybe two there's really two things that the offensive line and where they decide to make their moves and adjustments is contingent of and that's whether or not they want Cody Ford to play right tackle and whether or not they're willing to pay Quentin Spain and Quentin Spain's projected to make somewhere between seven to nine and a half million dollars per season and don't get me wrong I don't think that's mo- I, I think he's absolutely worth that and I would not be bothered if the Bills were to make that move but I feel like with the players that are available in both the draft and free agency, the Bills could find it far more favorable and advantageous to bump quit to bump Cody Ford into right guard, bump John Feliciano over to left guard, and add a player at right tackle. And the first player I want to talk about is a player with the Carolina connection who was available last offseason that I'm sure plenty of us spent plenty of time talking about, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, who was connected to the Bills almost endlessly last offseason as they had a huge hole with Jordan Mills leaving, and Jordan Mills was kind of just Jordan Mills for however long he started for Buffalo. 
and Daryl Williams would have improved that position drastically. Well, here we are a whole year later after he signed a one-year deal with so many concerns about his knee and what have you, and he's projected to make nine and six to $9.5 million per season. And if the Bills can bring him in for somewhere in the middle of that, if not, maybe even the high end of that, I'd be absolutely, I, I'd definitely be happy with that. Yeah, and if you're going to have to spend $9 million to to as your one solution on the offensive line, that's great. You know, it's good that we're not having a conversation that we're really concerned about the offensive line because that's an important unit, not even position. It's an important unit. And if you're going to, like you said, you're going to slide those guys over, you're going to bring in Williams to play tackle, then that's that's a good solution. That's a cheap solution. It's like, I mean – I don't know if it's quote unquote fixing your offensive line, but if it's a if it's a temporary fix for nine million a year, boom. Right. I I, I think uh, I think Daryl Williams is the most likely. If they're going to make a move at right tackle, I think it'd be Daryl Williams. That mm-hmm. is if he hits the open market. If Carolina doesn't re-sign him, and I don't I don't believe they are, but I feel like that is the that that's the move for the right tackle position that has the most likelihood because I don't think they're going to draft an offensive lineman very high this season. I don't think it's going to be like it was last off season. But an option that's a tad bit more expensive, but certainly could be an option, is former first-round pick of the Tennessee Titans, Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, Conky, who is projected to make 10 to $13 million per season. It's a little bit more expensive, but he's a little bit younger. Or, well, he's a, I, I think he's like two or three years younger, right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. You're it, yeah, he's two or three um, younger than Williams. Conklin, so he's yeah. going to make Williams a little is, Sorry, Williams is 27. Um. Conklin. I think Conklin's 25. You want to you wanna put a bet on his age? Prop bets? What kind of bet? Bucket uh, of wings? I don't know. I, yeah, I already have it up, so. What is he, 25? He is 25. Yeah. I I'm not buying bet. you wings. I would have won that bet, so. Not buying you wings. But either way, I think Jack Conklin would be an excellent addition. If they weren't going to go to the Daryl Williams route, Jack Conklin would be, very, would be my favorite addition. I think that would be it. I, I, I wouldn't say you'd fix the offensive line. And I think the offensive line is far better with Jack Conklin starting at right tackle compared to if it were Cody Ford. I just, what just makes this all kind of hairy is Ty and Secchi, who they have financial commitment to this season, who they wouldn't really benefit from, from cutting. And it's just awkward because he couldn't really play last season because of a weak knee. And we saw him try and play on it numerous, on numerous occasions. And he really couldn't. So that means right tackle really is kind of a hole, whether you, however you want to dice it. I mean, the Bills certainly could get by with Cody Ford next off, next season. But I think we can, you and I can both agree that Conklin and Williams are both far better options than Ford at right tackle for 20 years. Yeah, I, but, the, you know, I was satisfied with how Cody Ford played this year, especially as a rookie. I think that he had some tough assignments, and he, and he handled it really well. Even J.J. Watt in the playoff game, I thought he did a good job for being a rookie and being in that situation, his first ever playoff game. I thought that he had a really good game, and I thought they had a really good season in general. Now, you know, is he going to be a guy who you're going to pay big money down the road to be one of your one of your staples on your offensive line? I don't know. That that question can be answered when the time comes because he has a lot of time left on the field to to determine that for himself. But I will say this: last offseason, the signing of Mitch Morse was huge, and it is unbelievable how much better that made the football team. Mm-hmm. signing Mitch Morse. I think that was so underrated having a center who knows what he's doing, who's going to play a ton of snaps and can and really be the anchor off your offensive line. So if you're going to bring in another guy on the offensive line, if you're going to have two hired weapons, as, as we could say, 
you got to pick the right guy here. And that's easy. You know, I think that Brandon Bean has a good, even though his track record is small, he's got a good little track record of picking the right guys. Oh yeah. Oh, I, 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 all the moves aside from Tommy Sweeney and Trent Murphy and kind of Starla Tule. Starla Tule, I was like, what the, what? And I mean, aside from those three moves, which I think is almost consensus amongst Bills, Mafia, and pundits, um, aside from those three, a lot of moves have panned out well. And if you're hitting over 60, 70%, not even on draft, I mean, he's done, he's done a great job drafting talent. But he has done a great job just bringing talent in. I mean, he did not need to rip the roster and gut it the way he did. And that's a discussion not for today, maybe a different day, maybe not at all. But he did not have to do that, but he did it with success. And the Bills are at the point where we're talking about them making the additions to make them a Super Bowl contender compared to a playoff contender from 2019. We are talking If the Bills were to make some of these moves, if you were to tell me they signed A.J. Green and Jack Conklin or Daryl Williams, I tell you that offense is Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl potential. I mean, if it, injury aside, that is Super Bowl potential. And, you know, we talk about bringing in these big-name guys like A.J. Green. I mean, the, like Jeff kind of said, hired guns. A hired gun, and then you got your hired clubs up front with Mitch Morrison. Take your pick of the offensive lineman. But – you know, the, the, the whole pod has really just been about us talking about varying options for what the team could and potentially – what the team potentially could do. Jeff, I want to know what's your preference. What do you want to see this team do this offseason with, with just free agents in mind? I want a wide receiver. That's what we're talking about this week. I've, I've made it clear. I want a wide receiver because that's what makes your football team better. And all this season – Think about, think about what we talked about in September, October, November, December. What we talk about all season. What do the Bills need? Tell me. Wide receiver. We didn't say, oh, the offensive line sucks. We didn't say, oh, oh, we need a running back. I went as far as to say they should bring in Des Bryant. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> but here's the thing. We went this whole episode, and we, I think we're taking this for granted. We're at a point where we don't even have to put a word into what are you going to do about a quarterback. For now, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that, and a lot of teams wish that they could say that. Right, and I spent right. a lot of my life as a Bills fan not being able to say that. So we'll take all take everything we talked about today with a grain of salt because at least we don't have to look for a quarterback. Hey, were you were you looking? Were were you still kind of looking for a quarterback going into EJ's third year? Where wasn't that the offseason we brought in Tyrod? I swear, I yeah, swear to God, I, it was. I don't think that EJ Manuel was ever a good football player. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it's like, I, he wasn't I, a good, I mean, I, I can't disagree. I mean, I, I don't think Doug Marone really helped him all that much. I don't think we, I, we were ever like, oh, we got the guy. Like, oh, we got, we got the, we got the guy. Like, we don't I mean, have to If you saw that commercial Jim Kelly was on, you sounded like we got the guy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It you sounds can keep like a Jim Kelly slander going. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It sounds like it's time to end this week's episode. Jeff. Please tell the people where they can find you if they so choose to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at real J U V E I N O. You can find me on Instagram at my name, J E F F U V E I N O. I mean, it was a fun episode as always. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll have the same, well, not the same. We'll have a similar discussion about the defensive needs. So that being defensive end, cornerback, linebacker depth, what have you. We'll have a similar conversation about 
not similar talent, but similar caliber talent, give you a breakdown of the marquee guys, the big fish guys, and then value guys, guys that might fly under the radar that the Bills could potentially find, maximize value and find a lot of production out of when in reality they were just street free, well, not street free agents, but they were brought in on cheaper deals compared to these marquee guys that are making $20, $15 million per season. So be sure to tune in next week. And if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter at CFRCLAYTON. And you can find me on Instagram at the same handle, at CFR Clayton. And be sure to follow the Cold Front Report on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's at Cold Front Report on Twitter, at Cold Front Report or underscore Bills News on Instagram, and Cold Front Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. And thank you all for listening. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front. Oh, 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 oh,